but yeah, I think I got a chance to see you guys for like two minutes at Oshkosh. I think that was it. That was it. Yeah, that was enough, really. Yeah. <laughs> Most people really don't want more than uh, I, you know, me yeah. in small doses. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Let's see how we can get into this. Um, all right. You ready? Here we go. Welcome to Logbook Memories, an aviation podcast about remembering and sharing our past flights. I'm David Allen, a student pilot. And I'm Michael Ladd, a private pilot. Guests on Logbook Memories look back through their pilot logbook to find a particularly interesting, adventurous, enjoyable, scary, or otherwise memorable flight. Then they come on here and share the story of that flight in their own words. Our next guest is ready to go, so let's mic them up. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Logbook Memories uh, here with uh, Mike. How's it going, Mike? Going great. How you doing, David? Um, better than you. You're still getting over the flu. Yes, I am. I am. So <laughs> we're going to power through it today. All right, well, we'll get through it. Uh, our guest today is somebody who will fly anywhere for pie. And in fact, this flight was a mission to go get some pie. Uh, if you know anything about the aviation community, you know we're probably talking about Rod Rakick. He's the co-founder of Open Airplane, and Open Airplane has uh, a couple of products, including Open Airplane and Fly Auto. Uh, one of my favorite things about uh, these companies is they are described as uh, being designed in Chicago, assembled in Kansas, and hustled in New York. <laughs> uh, Rod, welcome to uh, Logbook Memories. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here. That's a heck of an issue. <laughs> I do my best. Um, so, yeah, Rod, you are. Where are you right now? Because you are not at at home in Chicago. No, I'm in uh, scenic Harbor Beach, Michigan, in the thumb of uh, the Lower Peninsula of Michigan, here on the shore of beautiful Lake Huron, near uh, Bad Axe Airport, of all places. Bad Axe. I like that. Bad, Bad Axe, Axe, Michigan. Yeah. That's. That's awesome. <laughs> so if you you know hold up your your left hand, that's your map of the Lower Peninsula of Michigan, and the thumb is the uh, little uh, little mini peninsula, and then right in the middle of that smaller peninsula is a town called Badax, and uh, that's the uh, the local airport about thirty minutes from where I'm sitting. That's funny. I actually have some relatives that are right on the tip of the thumb in uh, Port Austin. Also referred to as Nasty Hatchet. I get it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't I, this is something that I've never gotten a good answer for. Um, are you from Michigan by chance, Rod? I am. I'm okay. uh, born and raised in uh, kind of the suburbs of Detroit. So that makes more sense now when you start describing Michigan by positions on a hand. Because my understanding is only... Um, natives of Michigan or people who live there do that. And in fact, if people who don't aren't from Michigan try to do that, they'll actually kind of hurt themselves, especially when trying to, to, you know, do the UP with the, the upper peninsula with the other hand. Like I, I don't even want to try it cause I need to be able to work tomorrow and I need my hands to work. But <laughs> why is it that people in Michigan describe where they are from or where they're going by pointing at their hand? Is it just because it's the right shape? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the map uh, that you always have uh, at hand. I get it. Because <laughs> uh, like... Florida doesn't work that way, by the way. Well, if you try <laughs> to describe the 
you know, the map of Florida with a body part. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I don't, I, I described myself being in, in, uh, you know, central Florida, 30 miles south of where they launched the space shuttle from. And that, that pretty much doesn't clear it up for anybody. So, Hey, um, Rod, I, I gotta say, I love it when anyone takes a stand to make aviation more accessible. And that's what, open airplane really is trying to achieve, you know, and you're making airplanes easier to rent. Um, and airplanes that are flying, even under, you know, VFR conditions with no interaction with ATC are still part of the system because you got to get fuel, you got to get maintenance. And so anything you can do to get airplanes to fly more, no matter what the circumstance, it's, it's a benefit to the entire com- to uh, entire community the entire agency the entire uh structure and i think that's awesome well thanks dave i mean it really was about sort of creating a business model that was compatible with the health of the ecosystem so uh, when we designed open airplane we designed it in a way that we make money when someone turns a prop you know it's free to join for the for the pilots it's free to join for the operators only when we actually do something that helps that ecosystem be healthier do we create a profit? And so that aligns our, uh, you know, decision-making at every step, every feature we build, every uh, decision we make about how to market to pilots. The, the mission of the company really is to make everyone's pilot certificate more valuable. And so uh, that's what we started, you know, with Adam Fast and I, when we got together and built this, uh, we launched in 2013 really trying to make renting an airplane as easy as renting a car. Uh, but we wanted to do it in such a way that not only made sense as a business and would hopefully become sustainable, uh, but also it made sense for the community that we're part of. I love how you, I love how you describe that, by the way, to make it as easy as, as renting a car, because that's, you know, obviously essentially what you're doing, but most people don't realize, you know, that you can just go someplace and rent an airplane. Granted, you have the checkouts and everything else, but, it seems like a big production, even for somebody who doesn't fly that often or at all. That's an easy way to explain it. I love that. Well, imagine if you had to do a driver's test with the kid from behind the counter at Enterprise before yeah. he handed you the keys to the Mustang. Oh, no, Not a lot of people would actually rent a car. You know? And so, uh, you know, that was a pain point. You know, we talked to a lot of pilots. We surveyed hundreds of pilots. And they consistently told us the same thing. They would fly more if this existed. And we know that, you know, the private pilot in the United States typically flies on average about 50 hours per year. And the pilots told us that, you know, someone who would have access to this could maybe fly another 10 hours a year. Well, that's a significant increase in activity just on a basis of percentage. Uh, but that's also the kind of flying that otherwise wouldn't happen. It's all incremental. Like the demand that we create for most of our, uh, you know, flight schools and flying clubs and individual owners that are part of our network with open airplane, you know, they, they don't see pilots wanting to rent when those airplanes are busy. They, they see demand for the most part when the planes would otherwise be parked anyways. And so um, that that was a happy accident. And so some of these things were designed into it, some of it. Just kind of worked out well. So, as part of the uh, growth of Open Airplane and trying to to you know grow the network because it's a it's a 
it's really kind of a trifecta. You've got to get the insurance companies on board. You've got to get providers or operators, and you got to get pilots who want to fly the airplanes that are being offered by the operators. You and one of your business associates, Scott Murphy, went on a uh, a, a trip. Uh, I, I don't know how long it was, two weeks or a month um, around the country to bring visibility to open airplane and onboard some new operators. And it brought you down to Florida. And I, I, I'm sure that that entire trip is just full of adventures. But today we're actually going to talk about one particular one that you did on a day that you decided to take off and not hustle. Uh, March 16th, uh, 2016, uh, which I believe was Easter Sunday. Yep. And um, so as part of this trip, we basically rented a car in Maine and drove to Florida, Um, (laughs) drove all the way to Miami, stopping at uh, small general aviation airports all along that route. Um, And here's the secret. It was a secret at the time. We were growing open airplane. We had about 70, 80 locations in the open airplane network where you could rent an airplane but hmm. we were also developing fly auto, you know, our, our new product. And it's also an aviation marketplace. And we also needed to talk to, you know, folks in the aviation business and they also are typically, you know, officed at the airport. So we drove to all these airports uh, along the Eastern seaboard to talk to flight school owners, to talk to flying club folks, but also to talk to charter operators that would eventually form the backbone of the fly auto network. All the flight schools that also have charter businesses that were part of open airplane, like all of them, uh, which was about two dozen, uh, joined fly auto when we launched that in late 2016. Uh, But here in the spring of 2016, we knew that we had to go reach out to a whole new you know, gaggle of folks in the aviation business and, you know, sending an email and, and, or making a phone call or, you know, just posting a press release wasn't going to cut it. We needed to go knock on doors, introduce the concept, uh, introduce ourselves uh, and make it happen if, if we were going to be able to have a nationwide footprint for Fly Auto. So we really were planning our trip based on where the charter operators, you know, folks who are operating PC-12s, or King Airs, or even, you know, you know, Cessna 182s, you know, all on Part 135 charter uh, certificates all down the eastern seaboard and, and along the Gulf Coast uh, were the folks that we were there to meet. The public-facing videos that we were posting on our Facebook page and, you know, online uh, every day were to only talking about flight schools and open airplane because at the time fly auto was a secret we, we weren't ready to announce it we weren't able to, to launch it we were uh building out that network and finishing the technology uh kind of in parallel so there was this massive sort of a, i think we were out there for like 11 days meeting with folks um and and on this big road trip but the one thing that no one wants is to have someone knock on their door on Easter Sunday. So we kind of took Sunday off and decided to, uh, what they say in uh, the startup world, eat your own dog food. Uh, we, we said, hey, we've got a Sunday to ourselves that no one else wants to, you know, you know, hear from us. Uh, we've got sort of a free day on this massive business trip. Uh, why don't we put it to good use. There's good weather in the Miami area. Let's go fly. And so when you 
you actually um, well, so uh, you, you just mentioned the you know videos, the public facing videos. We'll put the video for this particular flight in the show notes, so people can kind of take. Uh, three minutes and go watch it. It's a real short video, and I actually think it's very well done. Um, and, I was very disappointed. Uh, oh no, I we I love that video. It's su- super cool. It wasn't enough uh, for Key West. I was very. It's upset. true. Who it was... knew that a couple of chubby nerds driving across the country talking about airplanes would be entertaining? Uh, it, it was. So, oh, no, it was really fun. It was good, and it was short. Like you, and that's the best part is it's a short little video that tells a great story. Um, and but you actually. Uh, found an airplane and and booked it through your own platform and i guess i'm kind of curious to know how that went down and did you tell the operator that it was you that was doing it or did you just kind of do this all you know secret just like anybody else yeah secret shopper method a little of both um they eventually recognized my name and uh you know because once they actually clicked on the email that notify them there was a tr- a request for a rental uh they, they they saw my face on the profile and saw my name and saw all my pilot uh credentials and you know total time and time and type and you know ratings and, and certificates and all that kind of stuff so so uh, yeah they obviously recognized me and uh uh were happy to to, to help because i mean I am from the Midwest, and so when you're from the Midwest, you have this special place in your heart for Florida. Um, you know, my dad's a snowbird; he goes down there, and so every time I go down there for sun and fun, I visit him. And so for years and years, there was this idea that you know I could uh, fly to Key West. And in fact, when I started first talking about open airplane, kind of like in 2012 my my exemplar trip for why someone would need open airplane was hey i'm from chicago i happen to be in miami and i want to fly to key west well how can i make that happen and i told that story to pilots and flight schools and insurance underwriters and everyone who would listen for years and it wasn't until like three years after we launched the company that we uh finally got to do the trip that we've been talking about the whole time. Nice. And what's fun is this is a trip because I, you know, I'm going through my primary training right now, and this is a trip that I am just staring at. Like I, I definitely want to do the same trip. Um, this is one you, that I want to do. This is in my bucket list, by the way. Also, and being from South Florida, this is one of my favorite places on, on earth. Yeah, and I love the Keys. I can't get enough of them. So. What was interesting is you, you made a, a, probably, a, I'm guessing, a fairly easy decision on how to route. Um, when I'm looking at how to get there, it's a straight shot. If I take a straight shot, I'm going over quite a bit of water because uh, I'll probably come out over Everglades City and then straight down. I'm over ocean until then, until I hit uh, Key West. Uh, you, in your video, kind of went down the look it appears that you followed the overseas highway for most of it is that true or can you tell talk about how you decided to plan the trip or like what went into deciding how to get to key west well i was going to be running a cessna 172 skyhawk and so i don't like the idea of swimming with sharks so i wanted to be within 
gliding distance <laughs> of something that I could crawl onto if necessary. Um, like a, like a bridge or a road or, or something, you know? So, um, I, because, uh, I am, um, lucky and then I've gotten to fly on a bunch of different kinds of airplanes and I've gotten to do some really cool trips like this. Um, I mean, a lot of the trips that we hear about pilots using open airplane for really are their bucket list trips. You know, they're the reason why they uh, got the pilot certificate. It was kind of the reason, you know, why they, um, you know, ground out through all the training and, you know, it's, it's, you know, fly to Key West from Miami, skip a huge, boring drive. Um, I mean, it's right on the brochure for why you should be a pilot. Uh, so, so, uh, so uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, I, I want to be able to manage the risk. And one of the ways I, I could manage the risk of flying a single engine airplane uh, was to not fly it direct. So I, I sort of planned a flight that was uh, along the, uh, the edge of the Everglades, kind of, I think it was like going down to like the Western edge of the Everglades. Um, and then, um, you know, sort of getting to the Gulf coast and then following the highway. So with the theory is no, I'm not going to try to land on the highway if the engine quits, but if I have to ditch the airplane, uh, at least I would maybe be over an Island, you know, and that's sort of our archipelago, um, or maybe I'd at least be able to swim to the you know, to where the highway, you know, is, or I don't know, it was just, it seemed more logical um, to me because I'm used to flying up here in the Midwest where, you know, there's a lot of places to put the airplane down, you know, it's not mountainous. It's mostly, you know, farmland. Even when I'm crossing, uh, you know, one of the great lakes, I'm finding a straight, um, you know, and trying to stay within gliding distance, uh, you know, versus, you know, saving, trying to save myself 11 minutes, uh, on a, on a two hour flight or something like that, by trying to just fly GPS direct and hoping for the best. Um, you know, you really learn all the weird noises your engine can make when you're outside of glide range. Um, and, uh, yes, and, you, you know, do. all kinds of strange noises, uh, that you'll, you'll hear, uh, when you know that if the engine you know quits, you're going to go swimming. So, uh, that was why I chose that route. And it turned out, to be kind of awesome, you know, from a standpoint of you're not just staring at water, you're looking down at all the, you know, folks sitting in traffic, you know, it makes you feel, you know, again, pilots have been looking down at everyone else since the early 1900s. So here we are. So tell us about the flight. What was it, you know, what was it like, you know, you picked up, uh, uh, you picked up Scott's aunt, I guess, who'd never been in a right. little airplane. Yep. No, she, she lived there in Miami and he called her a couple of days prior and said, you know, we're going to be in Miami arriving Saturday night, Sunday morning. We'd like to take you to brunch. Oh, by the way, we're going to take you to brunch on Key West and we're flying there. And she was like, great, let's do it. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Which, nice. you know, she's, yeah. she's kind of awesome. And, um, and so it was probably 72 hours, you know, so probably like Wednesday or Thursday, probably Thursday, we figured out that we were actually going to land in Miami on, you know, this time frame. And so Thursday evening, we were driving and um, to the next town and literally on my mobile phone, went to openairplane.com and made a reservation request. 
uh, via, you know, didn't pick up the phone to call anyone, didn't have to, you know, deal with all that hassle. I, I literally just picked a glass cockpit 172 and hit um, reserve. And um, that let me uh, start the process of, you know, getting approved to, to rent the airplane. And uh, just a few days later. So, Dave, you were just talking about flying over water and stuff. There's two things that kind of struck me on that when he was doing that also was exactly that, that taking US-1 pretty much the whole way down. A lot of people do, and a lot of the times that's just for sightseeing purposes anyways, and besides the safety side of it. But um, I was just kind of looking from Flamingo down to Marathon. is only like 25 miles straight, nautical miles. So halfway would be, you know, 12, 14 miles so you're really not that far away from land either way. When you're looking at, I'm just looking at uh, four flight maps right now. But That's true. Be, but, but you have but, to be careful when you go across because there is an ADA's out there for the. I think you have to file a special flight plan if you leave. The well, ADAs the thing that in. really, you know, was on my mind was that there's an aerostat balloon. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm curious. It's right there on Kudjo Key. And what did you do about that? Did you just stay well south stayed, of it? Yeah, stayed the heck yeah. away from it. Um, you know, that that just, you know, was one of those things where that's a hazard I'm not <laughs> um, familiar with. So uh, I made sure that we stayed well away from that restricted area. Uh, one, I didn't want to get in trouble. Two, I, I didn't want to, you know, have the airplane sliced in half by a large steel cable. So I um, stayed just simply, you know, sort of navigated around and, you know, had uh, an iPad with ForeFlight on it and had a G1000, you know, for navigation. So great situational awareness um, and and made it, you know, super easy. Just plugged in the, the waypoints along the route and, and just you know, the airplane did a great job of, you know, flying us there. I know there's a lot of chances to edit video, but, you know, it wasn't in your video, but you didn't actually almost land over at the Naval Air Station just east of Key West, did you? You can see the Naval Air Station in the video. You can see us flying past I, yeah, I it, it to the south. And uh, and then, then again, you know, that was something I just kind of studied the, the chart and sort of figure out, okay, you know, what's their airspace? Will I be able to transition it? Um, you know, not wanting to, you know, get in trouble. I wasn't going to do the trip IFR. Um, maybe I was out of IFR currency, um, you know, whatever it was, it was definitely going to like be a VFR trip. I mean, these days when I do more like long cross country ferry trips where I've, you know, cause I've ferried Cessnas from one coast to the other, or from one part of the, you know, when the top of the country you know, to the bottom of the country. And when I do those kind of commercial pilot ferry jobs, I'll typically file IFR just so that I don't have to think about it. So I, I don't, it's, it's actually easier for me to file IFR and just fly the airplane and stay in my little bubble uh, of, of protected airspace and just mm -hmm. do what the controllers ask me to do uh, versus um, having to sort of sit there with the chart and sort of, you know, guess my way through how I want to, um, you know, go, you know, airspace is restricted you know, airspace, airspace you know, airspace and terrain and weather and all that stuff. Uh, honestly, on a trip like this, uh, you know, VFR can be more complicated than flying an IFR. 
Yeah. Hmm. So what's interesting is I was looking at this on, you know, it's very crude flight planning, but if you look at Sky Vector uh, and just put in some estimates, from my home airport in a Cessna 172 flying 105 knots, um, if I go basically direct, it's about two hours and 20 minutes. And if I instead go to uh, Pahokee, which is right there on the southeast corner of Lake Okeechobee, head south and avoid the Miami Bravo and then cut over and start following US-1 all the way down, it adds 20 to 24 minutes of flying time. So it's nothing. Like it's it's, it's so much uh, – for the extra 20 minutes, you get that much more safety. It seems like the right answer to me. <laughs> and more flying. So, hey. Um, oh, no, yeah. not that. <laughs> it was uh, 1.7 hours from uh, Opelika to uh, Key West. Okay. Uh, so it was not um, – um, not a, a long flight. It was definitely within bladder range for everyone on board. Um, and it was 2.1 hours on the return. So obviously we were flying uh, with a bit of a tailwind that day to get there and then into a headwind uh, to come home, uh, bring the airplane back. But uh, it was, uh, you know, and again, it was fun because Scott did a great job with, you know, just getting the whole thing on video. And, and so, uh, here I was flying this sort of epic uh, bucket list flight. Uh, and, you know, after talking about it for so many years, uh, and, and it was great to sort of have uh, a record of it. How did you handle the Miami Bravo? Because you're north of Miami at Opelika. How did you handle Did you just stay below it, to, below the shelves? Yeah, that was easy that day because if you um, see the video, it's actually it was it was kind of martial. Uh, yeah. the, the ceilings were not great, uh, which again was a little frustrating because I, I think of the Everglades as uh, you know an, just another ocean that has you know alligators in it instead of sharks. So um, I don't want to go down. I don't want to be in that. Uh, I, I don't want to go down in that. And uh, there isn't a lot of great places to to set down. Um, so when you're low, you don't have as many outs, um, you know, in terms of being able to, you know, glide a further distance with uh, having more altitude. So we, because we made the commitment to fly at VFR, uh, again, more fun, not bouncing around inside clouds. Um, you know, you've got something to look at. We, we were kind of stuck down low anyways, and that sort of made the decision for us in terms of uh, being low enough to avoid the, the, the Bravo airspace. I am not one to be shy about asking for transition through a Bravo airspace, uh, but I also do respect it. You know, I, I guess some pilots, you know, stare at the ceiling at night and worry about having a midair. Uh, I basically am just terrified of busting the Bravo. Right. Yeah. I've, I've asked a few times for clearance. I've gotten it once hmm. through Charlotte. Yeah, it's easier if you're flying a Civil Air Patrol bird, but I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, but I, we were just flying a you know a rented Skyhawk, and so we were just uh, uh, just stayed stayed out of everyone's way and flew around it. And it really you know isn't even even a Bravo like Chicago. Um, you know when you look at how much of a diversion it takes to stay out of that restricted you know out of out of that controlled airspace, um, it, it's not. It's, it's typically not a big deal. I mean, it, it, it's just another 
terrain feature. It's another part of the puzzle. It could be mountains. It could be, uh, you know, large expanses of water. It could be whatever. It's just, you know, airspace is just another piece of the puzzle. So uh, when you got into Key West, um, in fact, I'm looking at, uh, again, looking at the video uh, at approximately uh, two minutes and 35 seconds, you're flying directly over Fort Zachary Taylor. um, And there's a, there's a, uh, a bunch of rocks that they've basically stuffed out into the ocean there. um, Almost like a barrier, uh, very, I say rocks, they're very large boulders. And I've watched the sunset from those boulders a number of uh, times. And it's just, it's a beautiful place to be. So I had never been to Key West. Like that was the first time I'd ever made it down there. Oh, I had gosh. been to, you know, Lakeland and, um, you know, Orlando and, you know, those kinds of places. Uh, but the farthest south I had been in the U.S. previously to that trip in 2016 was Miami. I think I stopped there uh, on an international uh, trip and uh, had a layover there before um, heading to um, Central America. And so I had never been to Key West. It was just, it was this weird, wonderful destination that I suddenly had the opportunity to go to explore. And, uh, and then of course the fact that I got to do it using, you know, the service that we had built and with a good friend and, 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 and on a day where the weather was cooperating was, was pretty magical. The way you describe that is, is spot on. And let me tell you why I believe that. Um, it's weird and magical and, and it's not close. I, I live in central Florida uh, you know, south of uh, Cape Canaveral, west, uh, east of Orlando. Basically, if you go east from Orlando to the coast and come south a little bit, that's where I'm at. And so I don't fault you for only getting as far as Miami because from Miami, it's still a long way to the Keys. From here, where I live, to Miami is halfway to Key West. Like, it is so... I'm I'm only halfway. And you think Miami is as far south as you can go. Not even close. Well, we had driven the rental car to Miami. We were in that area meeting with flight schools and charter operators in the Miami area. But we were not going to drive it. And and that was not in the cards. That was just... it, it, It would not be possible to get down there, have brunch kind of scope out the island a bit and then, you know, and then get back to our hotel in Miami before dark, let alone, you know, probably not even the same day. It's just, it was just, it would have been, it would have been grueling. Uh, Whereas, you know, by, you know, having access to an airplane, it just made it fun. Right. It just became, it just became a, you know, half a day trip almost. So that's awesome. I love that. What was so, your favorite part of Key West? That was I was just going to ask. Yeah, what did you do when you got there? Well, there was pie, and like you said, I'll fly anywhere for pie. Uh, we actually did have key lime pie. I'm a big fan of key lime pie. Okay. Um, the place that we went was a formal former brothel that uh, Ernest Hemingway used to hang out in. The we we had brunch Easter Sunday in the backyard of a former brothel where Ernest Hemingway used to host boxing tournaments. 
<laughs> cool. And that was pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So that that experience right there was like, and scene. Like I'm <laughs> I've done the Key West thing. I had pie. Um, I've got an Ernest Hemingway story now that I can tell uh, at the bar. I'm good. We can we can go back now. We can we can get back to your plane. Go 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 back to the mainland. That's fun. There you go. There's actually um, at Marathon, which is halfway down. You you must have flown right over it. Yep. Um, there's an EAA museum there, and it has like three airplanes. But when when uh, I've driven down there, and every once in a while, I'll just pop in and stop in and say hi and see who's. It's just a free museum sure. for airplanes. whoever wants to come. Great. In. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I love it. That's awesome. I have not made a flight down to Marathon or or Key West um, or any of those other places. There's actually um, about halfway between Marathon and Key West is where my dream home is. Uh, there's a Summerland Key, mm-hmm. and uh, Summerland Key has a fly-in community. And some of the houses that are along the runway have the front of the house facing the runway and the back of the house facing a canal that leaves you, leads you to the, uh, to the ocean. So you have your airplane in the front and your boat in the back. That's, that's, that's living for me, but that's actually the same area where they also, where they filmed the, uh, what was that skydiving movie years ago with, uh, drop zone, uh, drop zone. With Wesley Snipes. Yep. Yep. That was the same uh that was the same airport right across on, on the bay side. Huh? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's where they did all those most of the skydiving stunts. So uh Rod, did you did you learn anything? Was this anything like is this any aha moments on this or was this just a fun day and, and a kind of a day to I don't want to say relax, but you know, flying can be relaxing. Uh, no, uh, first of all, flying is my therapy. Like, first of all, it's cheaper than actual therapy still. So I'm a big fan. Uh, and it's a challenge. You, know, you have to be completely present when you're flying an airplane. And that just is a great way. You know, some people meditate. Some people, um, you know, yoga. Do, uh, yoga, you know, crazy people, you know, go running on purpose without being chased. I can't figure uh, out why do people do that. I yeah, never understand uh, it. Whatever it is. That, not a single one know. of them are smiling. You ever notice that? <laughs> you know, so really, I mean, flying is my therapy because I get to the airport and I, you know, from planning the flight to the pre-flight to the, you know, the, you know, being present in the moment and, and concentrating uh, even if it's a beautiful day, even if I'm not working that hard, the computer's flying the airplane and, you know, I'm, I'm still managing the flight, managing the automation if I've got it or, you know, trying, you know, to be, um, you, know, a, you know, a good stick, you know, and, and give my passengers a great experience, uh, whatever it is uh, that I'm doing, uh, flying is absolutely this thing that, that makes me happier and healthier. Uh, because I, I tell people that I'm, you know, my students, when, you know, when I start talking to people about learning to fly, I say, that even if you don't get your pilot certificate, learning to fly and the process of learning to fly rewires your brain in some pretty neat ways. Um, you know, the way you, you know, process information, the way you prioritize uh, data, you, that you move from a, um, 
way of thinking uh, in terms of uh, multitasking, which humans are terrible at, and, and, and instead being able to divide attention sequentially uh, through learning how to scan a panel and 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 manage you know all the things that are going on in a flight, you know all that stuff rewires your brain and getting to go exercise that skill that you've acquired is just a is my way of staying happy, healthy, and sane. Um, so you know that day was challenging. The weather was challenging. Uh, you know had to sort of, you know, dodge around some rain showers and, 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 you know, try to keep the flight from getting, you know, scary for the person who in the back who had never flown in a small airplane before. Um, and, you know, she just sat there and looked out the window the whole time and was happy as a clam to see the world from that perspective. She had never done that before. You know, instead of looking through a little portal on an airliner, she was looking through this window and, and you know, and just a couple thousand feet above the ground. And, um, and so it was challenging. I, I would say that it was more challenging than I was expecting. It was just, you know, there's traffic and then, and, and the weather, um, and just the pressure of, you know, trying to make a decent landing when someone's running a video camera. Uh, it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, more of a challenge than I expected. Uh, and it was the good kind of challenge. It was like, you know, you go for a hike or something and you get to the top and you're, you're, you're sore and you're more tired than you thought you'd be, but boy, it feels kind of good for that for a minute. Um, and again, not running. No. Um, I don't run unless chased. Uh, but, uh, I can understand how, you know, just meeting a challenge well, is very satisfying not only just on a professional level but it's good for the soul you know you mentioned uh, the perspective of someone sitting in the back who's never been up in a small plane before and i have i've noticed that with a few friends that i've taken up where you know just flying around downtown chattanooga with lookout mountain and everything and the you know the you know the scenic city is what they call it and they're you know it's just a neat little area um but flying you know, at 2,500 feet or 3,000 feet um, below the the summit of Lookout Mountain. So you're literally below the houses while you're flying is actually pretty cool flying around downtown. And people really enjoy that perspective of flying around the area here right, when I take them up. Yeah, I tell people all the time, I warn them. I said, look, we're going to go flying today. And I just got to warn you, uh, flying is a bloodborne pathogen. It will get in your blood and it will never shake it if it takes. If you get infected, you will carry this, you know, for the rest of your life. Um, even if you don't ever come back to a general aviation airport again. Um, and you'll, and, uh, and so that has been, you know, my experience with it. And of course getting, you know, now that I'm a flight instructor and I get to sort of share that, you know, occasionally, uh, with people it has been a lot of fun uh, getting to do things like this, to talk to you guys and, and, you know, the work that you're doing by recording this podcast and, you know, putting this out there in the universe so that more people can understand why we're so obsessed with this and what it brings to our lives beyond just, you know, sort of the utility of it, but just the art mm -hmm. um, and the, you know, and, and sort of mastering a science and, and, not that I've mastered it, uh, uh, especially this week. I'm I'm doing tailwheel training this week, and uh, I've you know 
uh, well over a thousand hours and a flying instructor and yet completely humbled uh, reminds me that flying some is something that you know you can you can learn it pretty quick but you'll you'll take a lifetime to master it right rudder <laughs> oh yeah, don't, don't ground loop it <laughs> yeah gyro gyroscopic precession when you rotate the tail off the off the runway is something i've never experienced before so now you have an huh. another left turning tendency like i found a new one wait a minute hold on you know so <laughs> after a thousand the, hours wait a minute all what? the tail guys are, are and gals out there are laughing right now at me but i was like whoa hey wait a minute i thought i had this kind of dialed in and so this is another edge, you know, of aviation that I, I got to sort of experience. I mean, it, I, I had over a thousand hours when I became a flight instructor and that's pretty unusual um, because I wasn't sort of doing the full-time flying thing. And, uh, and, and that over the past year has been kind of a new area, new edge of the envelope to push in, in sort of the aviation. And so then when my buddy said, Hey, I've got a, an airplane built in 1948 you want to come fly it and i'll i'll work on a tail endorsement with you i'm sure um, let's do it so so you know so to answer your question go back to the question you actually asked me yes i learned stuff on that flight um you know to the keys um it's it's a it's a great flight to talk about um i, I to this day when people ask me about flying i, I get to talk about that experience um and i take that little bit of experience that i that i gained on that flight and and that becomes part of all the flying that i do and uh and and so you know now that i'm flying uh, a tailwheel airplane um you know all that sort of is cumulative and uh, a lot of fun well cool um you know you uh you you fly the the kind of flying that I would love to do, which is a smorgasbord of flying. Like you're flying for the Civil Air Patrol, and you're flying multiple platforms for them. And you you know you were doing ferry flights for a while, and you may I don't know if you're still doing those or not, but you know you have all these different types of flying that you're doing, and it's keeps you on your toes. So you know, this is this is the first time we've had uh, Captain Rod Rakick on uh, the on the podcast, but uh, there's no shortage of the number of times we could have you on the show to <laughs> tell us some of your other adventures, and we'd probably never get tired of hearing them. So, uh, really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule, uh, running two startups to uh, just chat with us here and do a little hangar flying with us. Well, hopefully we'll get a chance to do more hangar flying in the next year. So uh, hopefully I'll see you in April and all the other places where we tend to, um, you know, get the chance to meet up and talk airplanes. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate hangar flying, but I need to go flying. Well, I'm that's actually... the right response. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the response that this conversation, I would hope, would generate not only you, but anyone listening. Um, I am actually logged in on Flight Circle right now for my flying club up here in Sheboygan looking at schedules for Sunday. That's also the right answer. Perfect. Yes. Hey, Rod, where can people find you on the internet? Well, uh, turns out I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. Um, you can find me at Rod Rakick, um, 
on Twitter. It's rod at openairplane.com. If you use email, uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, both Open Airplane and Fly Auto have, um, you know, th their own sort of surfaces for social. Again, Open Airplane, one word. Uh, and then Fly Auto, F L Y O T T O dot com. Uh, if you don't happen to have a pilot certificate burning a hole in your pocket, you can uh, use that. That platform matches travelers, civilians with uh, pilots, planes on demand. And, uh, and hopefully, if Open Airplane is out there uh, making renting an airplane as easy as renting a car, making your pilot certificate more valuable, Fly Auto is out there to make every airport around the country more valuable. Uh, and social media is an important part of that, which is why we, uh, we try to participate everywhere we can. Awesome. Well said. And when I say Captain Rod Rakick, of course, I don't mean your, uh, your grade in Civil Air Patrol. I'm not even sure what you are. What, a major? Lieutenant yeah, Grant? a Kendon major. Um, nice. Awesome. Yeah. They, uh, they put a star over my wings and made me a senior pilot. And, uh, I'm actually a Czech airman now, um, doing, uh, you know, check rides for CAP, uh, in addition to sort of the mission based flying that I'm doing. So, um, you know, and again, I've flown from Chicago to, uh, you know, the middle part of Florida in light aircraft, you know, flying a G8 air van. But I just never gotten all the way down to Key West. There just wasn't, you know, it was like this thou shalt not pass. Like I just wasn't going to get farther than Miami, no matter what excuse I try to come up with. Um, and so it was like, you know, I got all the way, you know, I flew a, an air van on a ferry trip for CAP. So it was like ferry pilot slash CAP pilot. Um you know, and, and I even said like, Hey, can we divert down to no? Uh, <laughs> so no matter what I did, I did until to the, until 2016, I just couldn't find a way to go find this place. And, um, we had made a friend who had, uh, you know, hitchhiked around the country in general aviation airplanes. And she was working on a book on a book and she's based in Key West. And so she, who I'd met via social media and, and, and she was our, our guide and, you know, around the Island that morning, you know, she met us at the airport and, um, you know, that's how we found this great place to you know get some pie. Uh, again, uh, that's why I'm so active on Twitter, uh, and Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all these, you know, surfaces is because, uh, the connections you can make, you know, really can prove valuable. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, you know, I'm not not a pilot yet, but I've been around aviation all my life, and I've been since 2009 heavily involved in aviation social community and online community, and it has proven invaluable uh, to me. So, yeah, good stuff. I can't I uh, can't say enough about you know the connections we can make you know on the internet, and that's uh, how I met find up those with all you guys. That's true. All right, Rod, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. We can't wait to uh, hear more stories about your flying, and we'll have you back uh, maybe for season two or something. Rod, you like Happy New Year. Happy New Year to Happy you New as Year well. To you too.
Thanks so much for listening to Logbook Memories. If you'd like to share a memory from your logbook, drop us an email to stories at logbookmemories.com. That's stories at logbookmemories.com. And since we are just starting out, it would mean the world to us if you left a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you really want to help us out, maybe write a short review telling the world how awesome we are. Don't forget to share us with your friends. We'll catch you on the next episode of Logbook Memories. Like you said, I'll fly anywhere for pie.